Welcome to our newest adventure for first responder wellness. No one fights alone. In-depth conversations about mental health and culture in the first responder space. We're joined by your co-hosts, Austin Pedersen and Brad Shepard. Hey man, it's you and me back on the, uh, back on the mic again. I, uh, things have been a little bit crazy, but it's good to see you. We're back in yeah, first, different parts of the United States again. Yeah. First official, uh, no one fights alone podcast in this studio with the sign. I know yeah. it looks good. That sign looks legit behind you, man. Looks good. Yeah, no, I'm stoked. Roberto, uh, Roberto made it look way better than I ever could have. <laughs> well, it sure is nice up there to be able to have a space to just bring people in and, uh, sit and have a conversation about some really, uh, really cool stuff. And man, we've gotten so much great feedback on the, uh, clinicians, all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, even my mom shot me a message the other day saying she thought those were some pretty awesome episodes and, uh, yeah, I'm stoked that people are listening to them. It's cool for them to see the specialty clinicians, you know? It really is. Uh, and I think we'll, uh, you know, we need to give the listeners what they want. We hadn't, we probably need to cycle through that. So, but on that, on that note, uh, you know, to the listeners out there, I know we haven't posted anything, um, in the last week. So between, uh, I got pretty down sick. Um, and between that and you taking on your new head honcho role, I think the (laughs) two of us have had trouble. (laughs) The two of us have had trouble getting together. How was your day off yesterday, by the way? How was your, uh, how was your, it, it was not a day off. Um, (laughs) no, that's actually not true. It was half a day off, you know, probably. Uh, but it was nice. It was, it's so different. Like, so I worked from home for the last, you know, five years and it is so drastically different trying to figure out how to accomplish everything you need to when you're gone now from the house, you know, 50, 60 hours a week. Like it is a completely different ball game. Cause always what I would do is like, if I needed to get something done at two o'clock, I would just work into the night. You know what I mean? So it was like, no, there was no issue, but now I'm, you know, driving 40, 45 minutes up and then you're here on site and you in a small town that doesn't have everything that you need. So trying to get everything done has been uh, a learning experience. Because inevitably, the one thing you need is probably sitting at home on your desk at home, something along oh, yeah. that nature. Yeah. Or it's, I mean, it's as simple as like, I needed to put out, it's going to be sweet. You guys will see it, but we're, we're putting together my grandfather's professional Phillies Jersey from the forties in this. Yeah. In this like glass case to try and preserve it a little bit. And, um, like we're trying to attach one of his Navy pictures to it. And like, just the fact of like the Navy pictures at home, I need to FedEx it. I forgot to bring it today. I can't just grab it and write, you know what I mean? Like those yeah, are the yeah. kind of little things that you just don't think about. Well, it's been, uh, it's been a well-received, uh, growth in the, uh, Chateau organization. I know for, uh, Danny, you and a lot of transition there, uh, to, to expand the, the Chateau growth. It's really been it's really been positive, even though we're talking about the negative effects of it. There's a lot of positive that have come with uh, this change. 
I mean, that's it wasn't really like a negative, I wouldn't say. It's just a change. But yeah, the the negative is I am running around like a chicken with his head cut off, <laughs> taking twice as long to do things as I know they should take because I just am learning. And uh, that's a new phase for me, for sure. Oh, it's probably pro- not quite as large and, and pronounced as what you're making it out to be. You probably feel it that way. Uh, it's me else yeah. Does. So. yeah it's definitely me i put all the pressure on myself well i know we're i know we're backed up uh, a little bit on our february uh and to the listeners i apologize i, I take that on that's 100 percent me uh organizing this and and uh really my own disorganization uh related to coming off with several things over the last couple of weeks but here we are february 13th and we're and we're going to go ahead and start our relationship uh, portion of our theme for the year. And I I just want you and I to kind of kick it off. And, and we're closing out, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about closing out the, the Chateau Clinician theme for January that was really well received. And I'm excited about it. We've already got a couple interviews done. Uh, we have a couple interviews in the wings uh, waiting, and I'm looking forward to some of this relationship stuff. That was well-received uh, last time, and we didn't really spend a whole lot of time on it, so we're devoting an entire segment to this piece. I mean, you could have gotten away with just saying you were waiting until Valentine's Day to, to put everything out. Do you I think mean, I could still do that? I, yeah, I really wanted yeah. to wait until Valentine's Day to start this theme. Austin. There we go. Yep, there it is. Yep. <laughs> we just wanted to make sure the, that, uh, you know, when Valentine's Day came out, people had their relationship episodes. That's why we waited so long. Yeah. Hey, man, let me let me just start here because I want to uh, maximize our time. I One of the reasons I wanted to start here was because, you know, you're you're – Looking towards a wedding coming up, mm-hmm. just right, absolutely right around the corner. But man, you and your fiance have an incredible bond already, and have been through some shit. And uh, you know, hard times, good times. What do you feel like on your end is some of the magic that makes that happen for you? Man, I here's the one thing I got to like go with and it's just acceptance. You know what I mean? Like life is going to continue to throw curveballs at us all of the time. Right. And there is nothing we can do about that. And like specifically with ours, like illness, right. Illness happened and some physical stuff. And, you know, we just were able to walk through that together, understanding that there was nothing that we could do about it. Like our, our lives are going to continue to have ups and downs. And instead of trying to face those alone, they, they, well, there's, there's two ways you can go about it in a relationship, right? You can, with adversity, you can either grow together or handle it separately. And that's, that's part of what, you know, drives people apart. I think. I absolutely agree. I think the, uh, and don't you think, um, the recovery portion specifically, I mean, we talk a lot about the AA version of, of what that looks like, but don't you think that plays a part into um, having that mindset of just saying, man, 
it is what it is. I'm just going to have to lean into this. I mean, I like it. Matter of fact, I may hate it some days. Yeah. I think that's a, a huge part of it, right? Like, I mean, 417 in the book talks about acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. Like that, that's a huge part of it, but also to like both of us have done, um, an abnormal amount of therapy, you know? And I think that when you have two people that have learned how to communicate prior to getting together, like that's, that's the thing about us is I think, which, which helps us work together is that both of us did therapy before we were together. So we came in with communication capabilities that most people don't have. I don't, I don't think that's really normal for most, for most people to, you know, start a relationship and and both people have gone to therapy previously. That doesn't mean you can't do it together, right? Like you can start to learn those communication skills together, but that's a huge part about it is our, our communication levels are, um, I think they're pretty good. Not always. I'm the one that would tend to shut down a little bit more and kind of go inside. Um, but you know, I can, I can see when I'm doing that. Well, I know just an outside perspective as your as your friend. I know we're coworkers, but we've become really good friends over the last uh, couple of years. And and uh, just the just the little that you've shared with me, um, your communication. My perspective is your communication there is is at a very mature level going into uh, a marriage. Uh, you know, wouldn't we all be well served to have a communication level that's pretty high when we're entering into you know, for, for mine, I, I don't speak of mine, uh, my marriage, uh, very often on here, um, because it was, you know, it, it, it didn't work. And, but I can't deny, uh, the joy and, um, contentment at some stages of the marriage. And because, you know, some of the things we got right, I have to at least acknowledge that, uh, we did some things well. I mean, we, raised a couple of boys that are phenomenal human beings now. And, and, uh, so, you know, there's some, there's some good things that come of that, but there's a lot of lessons that come from that. And one of them is, uh, really that learning how to have a conversation with each other about hard things. Um, and I was the one to your point, I was the one that would, um, uh, withdraw or not want to talk about some of those hard things, you know, early, and uh yeah i really that really resonates with me um but you know is if we if we look at this from from uh kind of a around the corner viewpoint um relationships as a whole are really hard they're really hard yeah. they're, they're yeah. really hard to pull off yeah no i agree and and especially as you listen to the next couple episodes that that come out a lot of what you were just talking about communication wise is people trying to protect their significant other from what they see on a daily basis. Like instead of looking at it as like, a, let me tell you what happened, you know, today, it's more of a, let me protect you from the shit that has gone on at work for me. And then the spouse is going there is sitting there. Like, I, I don't know why they won't talk to me. And uh, it's an interesting, you know, learning capability, learning about this in, in this culture is that a lot of the communication stuff and, and things that people talk about, like they, it causes a rift, but both sides are like, I just don't, I don't 
want to hurt the other person. So it comes from love, right? It does. It, it, it comes from a, um, uh, a basis of caring and wanting to do well by them. And it morphs into this, uh, really ugliness and that's not overnight. I know for me, my experience was that that wasn't an overnight thing. That was a long drawn out over time. You look up and you're like, well, shit, I haven't had a good conversation in a long time. Uh, and this, this one's going to hurt. This one's yeah. going to be hard, you know? Um, yeah. I, I, I do, uh, I was kind of, I was kind of messing around with some stuff, but one of the, one of the sayings that I had looked up was marriage is an attempt to solve problems together, which you didn't even have when you were on your own. I found yeah. that really amusing. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. found that well, really amusing, but the reality is, uh, you know, people are looking for connection. There's, there's, you, you hear so many people talking about, um, well, let me quantify that you hear a lot of these uh experts now especially the the people that i follow some of these um these podcast people uh and and motivational people talking about these connections and people wanting to be connected but also people need to be connected people we're mo the large majority of people were not made to be alone mm -hmm. there's a few out there you know the there's a there's a there's some that are out there that are completely content and will forever be content with just being by themselves. And that's what they want. But, and that's not the case for most people. They want to be, they want to be connected and they want to have uh, a, an intimate connection somebody who really they can share their life with. And that, uh, that brings on a whole new tier of problems. Yeah. Well, I think that like we talk about introverts and extroverts, like, when it comes to relationships, even people that are extremely introverted are still seeking some type of connection with with their partner or or with somebody in general, right? Like introversion doesn't mean that you don't want to have friends. It doesn't mean that you want to have a boyfriend, girlfriend. It does that those those aren't the same thing. Right. Uh, and so when you look at every you know type of personality, like at its core, there is still a piece of that that they're, they're hoping for connection. All, all, all the time, you know, people are just searching, which is why you have these, you know, connection apps and and websites that they're just really searching uh, for for connection. You know, yeah. It's, uh, I sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and sometimes Valentine's Day, which is coming up tomorrow, is is the loneliest day for people. Like, it's not a fun day for for a good majority of people because either there's bad memories associated with it or they lost their loved one or there was, you know, something happened to where Valentine's Day is no longer an enjoyable experience for them. No, that's so true. Yeah, that that's such a great perspective because this is a, you know, this is supposed to be the day of love and and uh, enjoying the connection, taking a, taking a moment out of your, your busy life and just hitting the pause button saying, let's, um, you're my Valentine, you know, will you continue to be mine or will you, will you spend the future with me? Those kind of things. And yeah, it's a lonely, it's a lonely time if you don't have that connection somewhere. And just, just to the, just to the point of people seeking, um, that connection, there's, uh, there's a lot of research out there about how disconnected we are and and you know we we've talked about this before on here uh that COVID I think Jackie spent some time 
uh, in her podcast talking about how disconnected we are and how lonely we are as a result of variety things and the false shallowness of social media and you know displaying who we are you know that if you didn't listen to that podcast it's a great podcast related to this i feel like now that we're sitting here talking about it um but but uh, there's a lot of research out there that that says we're we're in some of the loneliest times we've ever been in uh, as a society yeah that's that's the toughest part is cuz you're we're more quote unquote connected is what she talked about right which is social media phones all like connected with quotation marks around right, it right? right like cuz it's not real connection uh and so it's tough for people to understand or feel like they're alone but yet they can reach out or see what other people are doing so much more than ever before right like that's the weird part of the the world we live in today is people are never have never felt more alone but they are actually in reality more connected by far than they ever have been right right have the ability to be connected and and having the false sense of being connected but yet there's no real no real face-to-face interact well yeah oftentimes no real face-to-face interaction there to where you have to actually really open your soul a little bit to to people and that social media doesn't allow you to do that so well let's uh what what about this um let's transition a little bit to the to kind of opening up this um series a little bit to uh, you know, the listeners, first responders, veterans, or maybe even those who aren't in this community. Uh, let's, let's talk about a, a relationship that piles on a, a, a kind of a big dump, taking a big dump of shit on a, on a relationship with uh, some hard stuff. And that's kind of where I was going a while ago with you. You and Sammy have been through some, you've been through some hard stuff together. And but, yeah. and I don't want to put you on the spot here. I know, I, I know, I just did. I, I wasn't technically trying to put you on the spot, but I, I, I love the outwardness that I see through you and Sammy. Um, man, you, how did you, how did you do that? What was some of the, what was some of the thinking behind how you really stayed tuned in there and locked in uh, when life got really hard? Started squeezing you both really hard. So I'm going to, first off, I'm going to say this. Um, I made a lot of mistakes along the way with it. That <laughs> don't, is, don't we all? Yeah. And, and look, I, <laughs> you know, Sammy got sick and I remember I called my sister who had also had been, you know, somewhat similar uh, situation and kind of asked for some tips and tricks and things like that. And uh, you know, uh, the mistakes I made was I felt like I needed to really have some parts where I was disconnected, right, from everything. So, like, I, I worked a ton during that time. You know, I used that as a coping mechanism to get my time away from the house because the the weird part about ours was, you know, I obviously was working for a treatment center and doing admissions for a treatment center. So all day I'm on the phone with, um, you know, I'm gonna put this in quotations again, a sick person, 
right? On the phone working with sick people. Then I would come back home and it was a different type of sick person at home. So constantly it was really difficult for me to separate at home and work, right? And so I was constantly around quotations again, sick people, right? And so um, I would do everything that I could to try and escape that environment. Uh, I took up golf, took up during that time, like, you know, realistically, like that was, that was probably what helped me get through it. Um, But also then like, our communication levels back then were very, very low, actually, like, because I would work all day. And then I would come home and she was going through chemo and radiation. And so for the first, like, I would probably say six months that she was going through chemo. I bet you we spoke about 30 to 40 sentences to each other a day, like realistically, because I'm burnt out from talking all day on the phone. She is barely conscious. <laughs> like, seriously, like I'd get, you know, she, she slept a lot and that's just part of it. Right. And so our communication levels got really poor there for a minute and you know, made some mistakes there instead of coming home and trying to, you know, from the outward looking in, everybody was like, Oh my God, this guy's, you know, awesome. Like he's taking care of her. So, and all that stuff. But like, that was not the case. She took care of herself. Like that's, that's the reality that people need to understand is, is, you know, was I supportive? Yes. Would I go to, you know, chemo with her on Fridays and try and do everything that I could? Uh, Yes. But the reality is, is she took care of herself more than that. And then we had to relearn each other a year in like because this you know the illness changed her no fault of her own right different outlook on life you know um chemo brain is a real thing to where like she would get confused and and stuff like that and she's really open about it so i'm not talking about anything that she hasn't talked about but we had to relearn each other and that was the biggest kicking the nuts, you know, was like, we waited for this to be done. And then at the end, we're both different people. And then we had to relearn each other and relearn conversations and all of that kind of stuff. And that was the toughest part about it. And, you know, we're, we're open about it also, which is like that almost broke us, right? Like I, like that was the toughest part of everything was trying to get back to some semblance of normalcy. Oh, does that answer your question? It does actually. Yeah. There's so many great, uh, there's so many great conversations that can come out of that. And I, I, I I would love to be able to spend a lot of time there, but I, I, I do want to point out, I mean, you're, you're very humble and self-deprecating and a lot of that, but what I hear and what, what I, my mind's eye sees in that portion of the conversation is that you saw value in her and you saw value in the relationship enough so that you could actually stand on a commitment to uh, we're going to stay connected because let's be honest. I mean, you could have bailed at any point. You weren't married. You you actually could have said deuces. I'm out, you know, whatever, this will hurt a little bit and it's going to hurt her, but I could be out. But your, your stand on commitment is based on some form of value you saw in a future there, or you wouldn't have stayed. 
I know you well enough to know you're you're a strong, bold decision maker. And um, am I off base there? No, no, you're right. And, and this is like this is the thing is I think what a lot of people overlook is that when you first get with someone, they are a certain person, right? And you fall in love with that person. But as life goes on, and especially in the first, I'm going to use the first responder community as an example, when they see traumatic experiences over and over and over and over again, it's going to change who they are. And so part of the success in relationships that I see in the first responder and veteran community is when the spouse, male or female, they adapt, right? And they they have to understand that their, their significant other in this field is going to change over time. They don't think it's going to happen, right? But it happens every single time. And the successful relationships, the Liz and Scott Browns, you know, those those type of people, they they adapt and change and they know that the person they love is still in there, but there's a difference now. They're, they're different and that's okay. Right. We don't talk about that enough is like people are going to change and you can change with them and you're going to change and you're going to at some point have to relearn each other a little bit. No, I love That's exactly where I was going with it. You, you picked the ball up and ran with it. I, I, I kind of want to, um, and I think we'll just kind of close out here because this is such a great um, uh, this is such a great tee up to what's coming. The next two uh, podcasts that are coming with um, Travis and Candy and Amanda and Dario uh, both have within themselves conversations about uh, adaptation and commitment. Um, so I, I I absolutely love that, and and I just think. It, it it can't be said enough that within your vision of seeing a value in your relationship, thus giving way to a commitment to that relationship with it become, comes this, you know, really need for grace mm-hmm. and, and uh, forgiveness and honest communication uh, a lot of those things, uh, some things I was good at, some of those things I, you know, I wasn't as good at. And, um, you know, I, I had a lot of years, uh, with, within a marriage that we, we did a lot of that and, um, and some of it became good at it. Some of it, well, we weren't quite so good at, and, and, you know, just, I, I love the opportunity to just offer up to our listeners, this little, uh, this little platform, uh, an opportunity to maybe learn and grow within their own relationships of, uh, of seeing, seeing value and really having a vision for what that might look like in the present, uh, instead of getting caught up in some of the ugly things of what's happened in the past. Yeah. I mean, Sammy's therapist told her this and she passed it on to me and I've thought about it ever since. And I think it was some of the wisest words, which is in a relationship there is going to only be a very rare time when both of you are operating at your A level, which means everything's good. We're both doing it, you know, like we're trading off doing dishes. We have the energy to do, you know, have conversations. We have all of that, right? The reality is, is a majority of the time, one person is going to be operating at an A and one person is going to be operating at a C. And the way that you have a successful life together 
is that whoever's operating at that higher level picks up for the other person and brings them up to their level and then they are there and then the other person drops and it's a constant back and forth, right? Constant back and forth of picking up your significant other when they are down and helping build them up so that they can do the same for you when you are down. That is that is what I want to leave today. I've I've thought about that for I mean this was probably 2 years ago that Sammy's therapist said that and she passed it on to me. And that is the way that people need to look at stuff is very rarely are we on the same level. But our job is to pick the other one up. That is incredibly insightful and uh, really such a simple way of looking at it from just, hey, hold hold, hold true to your course. Uh, yep. If it's you, do the work. If it's not you, lean on the person. Yep. Give them the opportunity to do uh, bless you with their, uh, a portion in life. So, yeah, man, this is a, this is a great opportunity. I'm excited about, uh, what's coming. There's a couple great podcasts coming on the relationship piece. And, uh, for you listeners out there, thank you for giving, uh, us the, the grace of hitting the pause button for, for a week or so. Uh, but we got some great stuff coming, so stay tuned. We'll see you all soon. Thank you for listening to this segment of No One Fights Alone. No One Fights Alone is sponsored by Chateau Recovery is a 16-bed treatment facility nestled in the foothills of the Wasatch Mountains in Midway, Utah. Chateau's First Responder Resiliency Program is designed to treat the unique challenges and issues that first responders encounter in the course of their careers. Chateau's comprehensive and highly individualized approach to treatment addresses more than just the presenting issues. It addresses the why. Each of their seasoned, trauma-trained, and culturally competent therapists utilize evidence-based, specialized therapies to treat trauma at its core and enable clients to begin the healing process while developing a resilient and healthy relationship with stress. Chateau Recovery is trusted by departments and agencies from around the country to treat responders and veterans. In fact, it is one of only a handful of facilities nationwide that is vetted and approved to treat members of the Fraternal Order of Police. For more information or to speak to a representative, go to chateaurecovery.com or call 888-507-5031. No One Fights Alone is also sponsored by First Responder Trauma Counselors. First Responder Trauma Counselors are subject matter experts in proactive behavioral health care for frontline workers through their National Peer Support Academy. This 40-hour all-badges, all-uniforms, and all-scrubs educational experience helps to create caring, honest, and empathetic peer support relationships with your fellow frontline workers. The FRTC National Peer Support Academy is taught by actual first responders who have gone back to school to become culturally competent licensed behavioral health clinicians that teach from lived experiences, not just theories from books. This fast-paced immersive educational academy will not just change your life, it will help you save the lives of others. For additional details, visit 991overwatch.org or call 970-222-419-3. This could be the most life-changing academy you'll ever attend.